Write the world-changing book that will help grow your personal brand and your business as it makes the world a better place. Welcome to the Author's Corner, hosted by Robin Colucci. Every episode, we bring you some of the most successful authors, as well as other industry experts, to share some inspiration, motivation, tactical strategy, and fun. We'll also talk about the challenges and trends in the publishing industry. Don't get stuck in the idea phase. Join the Author's Corner today. Start writing the book you've dreamed about. Hello and welcome to the Author's Corner. I'm your host, Robin Colucci. And you know, poetry was my first inroad to writing. I recall writing little poems even as a very young child. So when I first heard about James Nguyen, I just had to invite him to the Author's Corner. James is the founder and CEO of Inflection Media. He is a serial entrepreneur who has previously been featured on CNBC, Sky, ABC, and has been a contributing writer for Forbes. One fascinating thing about James is his ability to distill his experience and insights about life and business through the beauty of spoken word poetry. His topics range from an ode to his favorite rapper to a case study on Tesla. James was generous enough to share with us a little taste of some of his poetry, and I was surprised and delighted to discover how hearing about a brand through a poem actually does transform my experience of it. So I hope that you will have a similar experience in hearing this really fun interview that I did with James. Enjoy. James, welcome to the Author's Corner. Great to be here, Robin. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to have you. I have to admit, I was completely intrigued when your team reached out to me about that you've figured out how to bring poetry to business. And so I'm really excited about that. But before we even get into the poetry, like I just want to ask you, like, how does AI tech expert get involved in poetry in the first place? Yeah, great question. I feel like I'll get that a lot as this starts to become a bigger thing. But yeah, my background's been in technology, kind of my whole business career. So I've started different companies in the tech space and that's just pretty much been almost the last decade of my life. And so that's just always been something that's really piqued my curiosity. And that's where I guess my passion's kind of driven me for a really long time in my entrepreneurial career. But beneath all of that stuff, I've always just really loved words. And so, you know, I was a contributing writer on Forbes. I was doing a lot of like, quote unquote, business writing for a very long time. But I've just been writing for years. Like, it's just what I did growing up. And whether it was like huge, long, introspective, like journal entries, or whether it was just just general reflections of my own life, I've just been writing a lot. But poetry in a big way, in particular, this year has been a byproduct of a lot of, I guess you could call it my inner work. And my journey back to my heart, I think is the best way to describe it. And a lot of my poetry has just been flowing through me. And I've been reflecting back and I was like, oh, I guess I was kind of writing when I was small, maybe like when I was nine, 10 years old, somewhere around there. I remember like giving my mom a bookmark for Mother's Day and I'd write a poem for her on the bookmark and things like that, but never really thought anything of it, right? Yeah, in particular this year, like what I feel most called to write, it's crazy, Robin. Like I'll just... I'll spend my mornings doing kind of my own less spiritual practice or like, and then my writing will just flow through me. And what's crazy about it is 
it's kind of about everything, right? So it could be our reflections on life, reflections on love and relationships, reflections on previously a part of me really thinking he needed to be the best to be validated, like all of these different reflections. And that just starts flowing through me. And then, you know, when I've really started to listen to the music, you could call it, like one of my favorite quotes is actually from Alicia Keys, where she talks about turning down the volume of the world to hear the sound of your own voice. Mm, yeah. And for me, I've just been listening to my own voice, you know, that little voice inside you that says, oh, you should just keep going this way. Just something there. Mm. And the more I've listened to that voice, the louder it's become. And really now I'm just allowing it to flow through me. I'm allowing that voice to speak. And so for me, poetry really is just a different way of communicating and a different way of expressing. And so as writers, whether it's, you know, nonfiction, whether it's creative writing, whether it's poetry, whatever it is, like we use words and we're a big fan of words, but quote unquote artists, which I assert is actually everybody, there's different creative outlets, right? So some people are amazing painters. Some people are incredible dancers. Some people are incredible singers. Like for me, that's all still just an expression of their soul. That's just a creative outlet, right? And for whatever reasons, poetry has found me. And I think that's how I think about it in terms uh-huh. of the sequence. It's not, I found poetry, like poetry was already in me. I've just remembered it. I like that. Yeah, that's great. And now you use poetry to help other businesses and business leaders, as I understand it from checking you out a little bit. That just struck me as very uh, unique. Yeah. So one of my companies is, you could call it a media company or a media agency. And what we really focus on is finding the arts of businesses right? So we talk about, you know, writing the poetry for brands, sometimes quite literally writing poetry for brands, but it's more like what poetry represents. At its very core, poetry is just the expression of the soul. It's like a founder of a company or the executive team or a leadership team. You know, the company is still an expression of them, right? It's a compilation of their unique traits, their unique insights, their unique perspectives on that industry or on that market. So really a lot of what that brand would represent So to write the poetry for brands is to find the art, is to find the unique expression of what that brand or company or organization does and speak about it in a really unique way. And so, yeah, I've had a lot of fun for an organization that does a lot of like trauma healing, spiritual work. I've had just so much fun because I'm a big part of that organization writing a poem about what we stand for and what we're trying to do to heal masculinity, for instance. Mm. And so that was a really powerful thing. And a friend of mine who runs a charity for teenage women in Australia, like in case studying her company in poetry. So for me, like the uniqueness of art is because when somebody feels a poem or looks at a beautiful piece of art or sees an incredible dancer, like you feel it, like it's just different on a different level. It's like a visceral part of you. You're just like, oh, that was an experience. So what happens when people actually see business as art? Because my experiences being entrepreneurial is that business is art because you see an industry, you see a market and you're like, that's a blank canvas. This doesn't exist. Like this potential solution doesn't exist or this product doesn't exist, whatever it might be. So it's actually imbued in entrepreneurialism is a lot of creativity. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So when people see business as art, just the natural ascension is make art for businesses. There you go. Right. So let me ask you this. Is there a particular format of poetry, like a particular form that you like to use, like a haiku format or like, or is it just more free verse? It's more spoken word. I think is the umbrella you can put it under. So yeah, I think based on my experience, because I've done the media outlets of, you know, being the talking head on big like channels and all that stuff. And so 
you know, kind of all my life being keynoting conferences, presentations, like the spoken word, you know, not under the umbrella of poetry, but the spoken word in general has just been something I've been like really drawn to from a really young age. Even as a teenager, I was doing a lot of that stuff. And so for me, like creating the poetry is there's so much more to it than, you know, just, yeah, just the rhymes. There's so much more to it than, you know, just the different verses or the different, the technicalities of it. For me, it's actually the musicality. For me, it's the rhythm. It's the experience of it. And that's why I love spoken word personally, because you experience it. So it's more like a longer form, sort of like a slam poem type format. Yeah. In essence, like just the format, but not necessarily the vibe. Yeah, in essence, but yeah, even just small things like you'll see on our website, which will relaunch within a few weeks, like the whole website's written in verse, right? And so like everything that we do, all of our, you know, quote unquote services, everything that we, you know, help companies with is written in rhymes, right? So it becomes a whole experience of the thing. Because for me now, poetry is quite literally just the mode of expression, communication more than anything else, Mm -hmm. right? And it's crazy because a lot of the time I'll find in my day to day now, like, it's almost, it's more difficult for me not to rhyme things when I'm speaking to my friends or anything. <laughs> it's actually crazy, right? So for me now, poetry just is me. So let me ask you this. What do you think the difference, how do you experience like writing copy for your website as a poem or for someone else's website? What are some of the differences that you notice? Well, it's like, I'm having two questions competing at the same time. That's why I'm fumbling here because I'm thinking, I want to know, What's different about the experience of reading copy that's in rhymes versus, you know, like yep. what you see is the difference. But I'm also curious, like in the difference of actually crafting the copy, maybe we yep. go there first. Cause I think that must be, well, how is that experience different? I'm sure you must have written straight copy for a website before. So what are some of the differences that you notice when you're doing it in a rhymed verse? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely in a previous life, very early in my career, like even my own websites and things like that, like I'd be writing my own copy. And you'll identify with this as well, Rob, when you get in a flow state, whether it's just like general nonfiction or any of your writing, like it just starts to flow out of you, right? And you're just like, oh, where did time go? I've just finished the entire, you know, whatever you have to write. Yeah, I get into a similar flow state with poetry, but I think just the main difference is just so much more fun. Yeah, (laughs) I would imagine. That's the main difference, right? (laughs) Because you know when you're proofreading, like you finish up like a long piece or something, then you have to obviously edit it and proofread it, right? All writers listening can identify with that plight. But it's crazy because when I'm reading back the copy for like whether it's a website or even like a case study I've written on a company, like I just did one on Tesla, like Tesla's marketing strategy in spoken word. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You wrote a case study on Tesla in rhymes? Correct. Can we hear an excerpt? <laughs> Is it public? <laughs> uh, it will be public in a few weeks. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. So, and, all right. <laughs> I'll look up if there's any sneak peeks, but yeah, these okay. sorts of things. Well, you so got to kind of- send us the link so we can put it in this interview. Yeah, we definitely will. I'm going to be the first to check it out too. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I can debut like the kind of intro for it. I haven't edited it through, but if you want to hear it and you feel cold, I can read like a little verse. I would love it. And we'll uh, forgive you since it's not edited. Everybody <laughs> understand we are getting a rare sneak peek at oh, a nearly done draft. <laughs> see if I have it on this computer. Here we go. Maybe we do this one at the end, like at the end of it. But <laughs> yeah, the things that I really love about this is there's kind of two things I feel really drawn to right now, right? So my personal poetry is like my poet's name is JQN, which are my initials. And so what I write about there is is kind of everything in my life right? Mm-hmm. So my life lessons, philosophies, 
spirituality, you know, love, relationships, all of those things. And then for my business, in particular, my media business, we're starting to put out a lot more is poetic profiles. So we profile companies or case study companies in rhymes, in spoken word. Have you posted any of these yet? Like, I'm so curious to know how people are experiencing this. No, this is literally, you're getting it us right in our Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. We got the scoop. Yes. Everything, as I said, on like not-for-profits, I'm looking at like a Tesla one now. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. (laughs) You're looking at it right now? You're looking at the Tesla one? Yeah, I'll read a little snippet of the Tesla one. Just give us a little taste. Thank you. The first thing to understand about brands is that advertising isn't the same as marketing. The former means buying ads. The latter means getting a market to know a thing, i.e. brand recognition, which is the ignition behind Tesla's historic position as one of the fastest ever growing brands because their market share continues to expand due to marketing like publicity, influences, and word of mouth, which all work together to get attention, which is the precursor to any form of retention and is critical for any groundbreaking invention. Tesla has and is all of these, which are the critical marketing keys to why they can spend $0 on ads. Because not advertising doesn't mean Tesla doesn't invest in growing their brand. What is important to understand is the way Tesla brands and commands demand from the public is actually gigantically grand. This is how they do it. And then we go into it. Wow. <laughs> I have chills. I love it. I mean, it really, first of all, case studies traditionally are so boring to read. <laughs> I just want to say like, not my favorite genre. <laughs> yep. This is really exciting. And you know, something I'm noticing, this is, I think, one of the great powers of poetry is that you don't just get the message, but you get the essence underneath the message. So the metaphor of you're saying something even more than is in the word. And I have to admit, I was really curious to know, is this kind of poetry And, you know, you have proven to me that I was really picking up on, I'm finding myself going, I did not know that. I didn't know that. (laughs) And the way that you unfolded that really made me see not just that fact, but why that fact matters, why that's so unique, why that's so powerful. And really, I think that so much of the essence of all that came through in the poetic form that I don't, it might've taken a couple extra pages, right. To come through in a straight case study. Yeah. Thank you so much, Robin. Like for me, like that's a big thing. Like in poetry, it's you're really intentional about word choice mm-hmm. and, and like a big philosophy I'm a really big fan of is like simplicity. Right. And if you can say like more with less than you do, yeah. Like that makes a really good writer, right? It's not about the amount of words they add. It's what they can subtract. Mm -hmm. And like, that's the same philosophy with other like forms of art. So like architects think about what you can take away from the space rather than adding to the space. You know, beautiful designs are about the the negative space around designs and the space between the actual elements. And so for me, poetry in the same way as a piece of art is around what can we take away and what few words in few ways that we just sequence these words, can we actually communicate something really powerful? Yeah, because my that. assertion is like a lot of the information we, we see today, like it's not that novel. Like there's been so many different case studies of Tesla's marketing strategies. Like I, I wouldn't even be able to count them, you know? <laughs> but in the same way, you think about like New York Times bestsellers and things like that. Like all, a lot of the wisdom that's in these books are just ancient wisdom. Like they can be traced back to ancient philosophers, Eastern philosophy, totally. anything like that. 
And the reason they're bestsellers now is they're just packaged in a way that's really unique, accessible, and palatable to today's audience. Right. And it connects to the context of today and specific challenges people face today. Yeah. To me, like writers are translators, really. It's crazy because what some of like some writers today might think are like they're really innovative, unique ideas. It's like, yeah, maybe they just haven't gone deep enough into history to understand that these ideas. <laughs> like for ages before, right? And so like for me, there's just a lot of humility in just being like, well, the probability of me discovering any new, new wisdom is pretty slim. And I actually think a lot of the art, whether it's in like awesome nonfiction books or any of these things, is like how you can communicate it, right? Like in my writing days and things like that, I was like, okay, cool. Like there was a different way that I could write, whether it's like long form essays, whether it's anything like that, it's able to engage people along the way. Well, for me, poetry is just that step up, but really it's just a step out from the game. Because I'm no longer trying to establish myself as like a nonfiction writer or anything. I'm just like, oh, this is what's just flowing through me and the ways that I can put words together, the ways people hear it and experience like a case study on Tesla through poem. It's like, it becomes fun. It is fun. It's so much more fun. Like, I'm like, I want to hear the rest of it. Like, I don't think, (laughs) oh, I want to read the rest of that case study on Tesla. I think like it wasn't a poem, right? (laughs) Totally, totally. You know, the other thing I noticed, and I wonder if our listeners noticed as well. And, you know, please uh, shoot us an email and let us know because I would love to know. Because what was interesting to me is like, I was seeing in my mind's eye, as you were talking, I was seeing that red Tesla, you know, that image. Yep. You know what I would, you know which one I mean? Totally, totally. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like burning in my brain. And I thought, well, isn't that interesting? Like why, like you didn't mention that particular image, but it evoked that image for me. Yeah. And I think that's what's just really beautiful around Because like a lot of nonfiction, right? Like it takes a really, really skilled nonfiction writer to captivate an audience the whole way through, right? Mm -hmm. And if you can do that in how long, I don't know how long that was, like maybe 20 seconds, 30 seconds, something like that, keep people engaged because they're creating the same experience of say like a creative writing piece that they're reading, but they're actually learning about like nonfiction topics. Yeah. And so for me, it's like that's beautiful, really unique intersection. I love it. You were saying you help businesses with their brand messaging also. From a business perspective, so our media company creates media brands, right? And so there's just like a number of different facets to that. Like the literal copy, like in the same way, you know, any freelance writers out there, they they would know like copywriting and they just help companies with that stuff, creating articles and thought leadership pieces and things like that. You know, that's one thing. And that's where like the actual copy comes. But like I have a whole creative team. And so we work on creating like trailers and we create videos and all these different things. And the poetry as is kind of an essence weaves its way through everything. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's how we kind of do it. I think poetry for me is, yeah. And for a lot of businesses and a lot of, you know, like more traditionalists, they'll see it as yeah, very unique or very unorthodox approach. Mm-hmm. But I actually think a lot of the poetry is weaved into the strategy of a business. Because once you really understand the essence of who you are and the authenticity of what you're here to do, whether it's in a specific market for a specific you know demographic, we don't have to get too technical into business, but like whatever it might be, like poetry, I actually think is at the heart of everything that you offer because the poetry for me is actually what the company is. And so that's what I want to help companies see. Interesting. The poetry is what the company is. That's my assertion. So say more about that. I want to hear more about Let's go to the next layer down on that. Yeah. If you deconstruct in my world, what my poetry is, right? And any form of creativity, right? So poetry in this way is analogous to any form of art or creativity, right? Mm-hmm. So I just use poetry as the hook because that's what's unique to my skill set, let's say, or my expression. But if we actually think about 
where creativity comes from. And this slightly potentially gets a little bit esoteric and a little bit like more spiritual. But when you talk to like, whether it's artists, whether you talk to dancers, any of these like creatives, then they start to speak about a flow state. And we kind of mentioned that before in terms of nonfiction writing. Sure. And then let's go a layer deeper. What's the flow state? Well, that's when you're no longer thinking about something, right? So when your conscious mind almost gets turned off, it goes into your subconscious, right? And so let's go one step deeper again. So what's the subconscious? Well, the subconscious then, if we start to feel into what intuition is and we start to feel in and note the intentionality of my language, I'm not saying think about what intuition is. I'm saying feel into what intuition is, right? And so when we see, keep going, keep going, keep going, a real uh, common theme that you hear among a lot of creatives when they're in their most artistic state is that they feel like something's being channeled through them or they can't articulate what's happening. It's just like, oh, I don't know why I'm drawing this piece or I don't know why I'm writing these words. They just come to me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so for me, in my world, the deepest, most pure and authentic form of creativity is actually the purest and most sincere expression of our souls. Mm -hmm. Right? Because the creativity is flowing through us. So it's not inhibited. It's not filtered. It's not painted with any form of conditioning or any form of like stories or rules that like, that's what art is, right? It breaks the rules. Mm-hmm. And so there are no rules when there are no conditions, when there are no ways that we have to do something or we should do something, then what comes out then is a pure expression of us. So for me, that's what my poetry is. So somebody else's quote unquote, anybody who can't see video, quote unquote poetry, well, that their poetry could be a painting. Their poetry could be a dance, a song. And for a lot of entrepreneurs, their poetry is their business Mm. because at its deepest level, that's what's flowed through them. Right. So my assertion at the very bottom of it all is that a brand, a truly authentic brand, Mm. right, is actually the extension of a founder or a CEO or a team, the core team's souls, and that's their poetry. So when we help a company find their poetry, we help them actually find themselves. And like this is where the abstract potentially becomes quite on unorthodox for a lot of people who live you know, in systems and structures and not to say there's not practicalities and not actual procedures that you then implement these things with. But for me, like f- helping companies find the poetry of their brands or write the poetry of their brands, which our team really helps them with, like that's the intangible, mm-hmm. right? Because once you actually have that level of alignment and congruence, then the practicalities of it is how to get it to the world. And that's you know step two that my company helps with as well. But it's even beyond that. Like it's really important for me, whether it's just us or not, like I actually don't care. I actually think is a responsibility for every business person is actually going out there to actually make a difference and make an impact. So it's different from people who are just trying to like, you know, trying to make, utilize an arbitrage or leverage an arbitrage and make some money. Right. Yeah. Actually trying to create something sustainable and trying to create a brand that's going to stand the test of time. Well, it's going to stand the test of time because it's fundamentally unique because it's one of one. To use business language, you're a monopoly of the market of yourself. Yeah. And I love that because like, as you're speaking, I'm thinking of so many terms, so much of the terminology and the vernacular currently around, you know, differentiation and market positioning and values, vision, mission. And it seems like, (laughs) right. And what I'm hearing is like, if you just get the poetry of the business, you know, if you just get and feel into it, and I think that is so true, right? You can't think into this. It's about feeling and listening is what I found. But that's really, I could see how getting the poem through would really answer all those other questions. Yeah. So in a lot of ways, like, yeah, finding your poetry and writing your poetry, like that's the intangible. Mm -hmm. Like that's what a lot of people struggle with because they come from their minds and then try to think it through. 
right? And in terms of tactics and strategies and theory, everything you talked about, you know, market position, differentiation, all of those things, like that's how we kind of think about it. Yeah, is that's top down, right? Yeah, to use your very cerebral, right, right, yeah. Yeah, you rationalize a felt experience. Mm-hmm. What happens when you reverse that and go bottom up? Mm-hmm. What happens when you have the experience, you have the art, and then you build around that? Like it applies to any company as well, right? Because again, like even if it's quote unquote, no disrespect to industries that other people might think are like a little bit more dry, but like if it's in industries that are conventionally more dense, let's say in terms of its information, whether it's legal industries, insurance companies, anything like that, that isn't to say that like there's still a unique, the uniqueness to that brand, quote unquote, those cliches, how on earth would they differentiate themselves? compared to another company, right? Because, you know, when I think of, you know, clients I've had who are attorneys or, you know, even my own insurance agent, right? I think that they have a sense of purpose. They have a sense of something bigger that they're doing. But, and I think it's interesting because I think a lot of people have never articulated that are not necessarily a hundred percent aware of it. I think a lot for a lot of us, it's probably a subconscious or unconscious thing, but I think you're right. I think if you're if you're in it for anything more than just making a buck, I think it's got to be there. It's just a matter of attuning to it. Yeah. It's just a matter of where, you know? And yeah, I think a really big thing with, yeah, whether it's, you know, attorneys, whether it's, you know, insurance brokers or really anyone, it's like finding your poetry doesn't mean writing a poem about yourself. Like that's a really big distinction, right? Like, yeah. Oh, sure, well, from- say more about that. Yeah. Our listeners are now going, oh, it isn't? <laughs> yeah, I know. Like maybe that's a right. clarification. Oh, well, maybe I could. I, I should have led with. <laughs> so the fact that I like writing rhymes doesn't mean that's for everyone. And not but... all poetry has to rhyme. Let's, yeah, that's let's true as well. That. That's true you as well. like writing rhymes, but it could be a poem without being rhyming. Yep. Yeah, okay. absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, for me, like when we write the poetry for brands, like quite literally that could be like writing really unique copy that actually when someone reads it, they feel that person or they feel that brand, right? Or it might be creating a beautiful design or a, a new logo that they're like, oh, okay, I get what that brand is just by looking at that logo. You know, like that to me is still the poetry. It's not, you know, writing poems necessarily. That's why our tagline is like one of the first lines on our website is we write poetry. We write a brand's poetry sometimes literally, but often metaphorically. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, quite literally, sometimes we'll write a poem about them. But it's but not sometimes it's the poem itself is a metaphor for some other creation, yeah. like a video or a logo or whatever it might totally. be, a song. Yeah. yeah, beneath it all, like, yeah, kind of our assertion is we just we make content that's art. We make things that are so engaging and so unique and so different and so individually that brand that people are like, I want to look at that for no other purpose than I want to look at that, you know? And then the byproduct of that is they happen to learn from that or understand what you do from that. You know, in the same way that to test a case study, I wanted to write it in a way where nobody even cares about like business marketing case studies. They'd almost still want to listen to it or read it because it's like, oh, yeah. well, by fun. Exactly. And by I, the end of it, they just happen to learn. I'm going to go read the rest when it comes out. So how about like some of your customers, like what have they reflected back to you on how this might have made a difference for them to communicate their business in this new way? Yeah, I think the really big thing is it's kind of what we were talking about before in terms of the pithiness of word count, right? Because in the space of instead of writing a 2000 word, you know, about us, you know, mission statement or whatever it might have previously been in the space of like 300 words, I can communicate their entire life story of that brand. 
I can communicate, you know, the very essence. I can communicate the things that 2000 words might not actually be able to speak about. I can communicate the heart of that brand. I can communicate the heart of that founder all imbued in the one poem, right? I can communicate the landscape and the status quo that they're really trying to change the mission. They're trying to change, you know, like, yeah, I mentioned previously that, yeah, one of my friends runs a charity for teenage women and, or maybe I haven't mentioned that, but like, but yeah, not they, in detail. So yeah, continue. Yeah. That's one of the, you know, companies and charities that I've case studied, you know, through poetry. Cause I think another thing I think about is the idea of like a really good explanation has exponential reach. Right. And so when I deconstruct that a little bit further, what I think about are the quotes that have stood the test of time, you know, the quotes that people just remember. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's not because they're the longest quotes. It's not because the quotes have the most complicated vocabulary. It's because the way those words are put together resonates and stays in someone's consciousness, right? And the pithiness of that quote communicates the profundity. And that's what lasts the test of time. Like poetry, the poetry of a brand and really being able to craft something like a really beautiful case study of a company or a mission statement of a company in prose, in like in verse prose and poetic prose. That for me is just what number one is just so much. I don't know if we're allowed to swear, but it's the Australian in me. It's so much fun. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, that, yeah. And then on the other side of that, it's like, oh, wow, suddenly like that organization or the company or the brand is able to send people, whether it's to their website, like to a video or to anything to say, oh, well, I don't need to say anything else. Just listen to this. This is who we are. Mm-hmm. And it just comes back to that piece again. The poetry is able to describe and communicate who someone is. And so something I do in my, for JQN or as JQN is... I do poem portraits. Hmm. So in the same way somebody is painted or drawn a portrait, well, I now write portraits of people. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so, again, that's just the same way that poetry is just my means now of expression and communication. Well, I want to paint somebody with words. Love that. So, so you have an example of that? Yeah, I can share one. This one's fresh. Yeah, this one hasn't even been released to the person that I, I wrote. You are the luckiest podcast on the planet right now. Okay. All right. So this one will launch soon. So a big thing for just because I have a big creative team and a lot of the work we do is we actually create mini movies from these as well. Right. And so the entire experience will be very different. Yeah. But this is one of the earlier poems. And so this is actually from a modern day freestyle rapper, actually. Okay. Wow. Wait, wait, wait. A rapper hired you to write a poem? No, no, no. So this person oh, I was gonna hired say, me, right? I was going to say that's really impressive. No, no, no. This person hasn't hired me. So in the same oh, way, okay. like artists that really just love and look up to certain people, they'll paint these people. Right? Oh, I see. So you do. Oh, I get it. You do it because you're just uh, yep. inspired by them. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yes. So, so we might have heard of this person. Yeah. Well, if you look him up, you definitely will. He has millions and millions of uh yeah, followers, and he's been okay. on like the Ellen DeGeneres show. Who is it? His name is Harry Mack. Harry Mack. Okay. Yeah, if you look up his YouTube and things like this, he's. I just... have not heard of him. My children probably have, but this is great. An incredible freestyle rapper, but for me, what is behind all of it? Because a big part of my kind of poetry journey is, yeah, the felt experience of it all, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's not just autobiographical. This one, this one is more like my experience of it, and so. Yeah. In the same way, I wanted anybody to be able to listen to this. Like a, an homage or an ode to Mr. Matt. Absolutely. 
Yeah, I wanted this to be in the same way if you saw a portrait of someone that you didn't know who the portrait was, you can still right. be like, oh, well, that's a beautiful painting. Oh, that's a beautiful drawing. Right. Yes. And so here's the debut of Harry Mack's poem portrait. Most people know Harry Mack for his freestyle. His improvised raps, rhymes, and videos gone viral. But meanwhile, what I think is more worthwhile is to spotlight who he is as a dude. Because beyond the views he's accrued or the gorilla bars he's debuted is a dude that a dude's a mood brimming full of positivity. It's undeniable how much he embodies creativity or his proclivity for poetic productivity. But through all the objectivity of his viral activity, you can unequivocally see his humility and sensitivity. This is what I want to highlight. Because despite the height of his success, he continues to obsess on bringing zest and jest to all of his fan interactions. You can see this through all of his actions. Because for all of those who aren't Harry Mack nerds, for context, he gets strangers to say random words as he spits improvised raps that no one's ever heard. He's rapped for Kendrick Lamar and on The Allen Show. What people need to know is that despite his global following he has to show and his millions and millions of views, he still imbues the passion to enthuse people through freestyle rap. This is at the heart of what he creates. But for me, why he's one of the greats is because he never premeditates or dictates what his audience should state, but rather spends his energy making sure he relates to them as mates, never even close to showing any form of hate. And that's who Harry Mack is. He started as a jazz drummer from USC, spending his time practicing rhymes unapologetically, only to see that he should be free to spread love unconditionally through freestyle, raps, and hip hop. And now he's at the very top of the list of rappers spreading love. Because he's not in the game to shove those above and challenge people to rap battles. Because he knows that'll do nothing for a bigger mission of spreading love. So bigger shout out to the lyrical genius, Harry Mapp, the rapper helping light and love make a comeback. Oh, beautiful. I hope he gets to hear that poem sometime. Yeah. So we'll be releasing actually like a mini movie of that. Will be animated and have a really, really beautiful experience of it as well. So I love uh, it. I mean, wait a minute. He freestyle rapped for Kendrick Lamar on Ellen. He's been on Ellen separately, but he's oh, also okay. freestyle rapped for Kendrick Lamar. Yes. And is that video on YouTube? Yeah, you can definitely find a lot of. <laughs> oh, no, I gotta find that. Yeah, I'm a phenomenal. big Kendrick Lamar fan. I know him. <laughs> yeah, Harry Mack is phenomenal. He's one of the best. That's great. I'm looking forward to checking that out. I'm going to leave this interview with a long list of to-dos, but good one. <laughs> yeah, hopefully that's a good thing. Just spreading more light, like in the same way. He just spreads his like creativity through his like freestyle rap and which is his rhymes and everything like that. And yeah, I hope to do the same with my poetry. It's a different vibe. It's a different energy. Like I speak about different topics than he does, but in the same way, it's just a mode of expression and communication. So mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love how your focus is so much on the person's art, you know, like you're focusing on them through the eyes of an artist and you're seeing the artist in them at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for saying that because for me, the artist in someone is the heart in someone. Because a true artist, I feel, is somebody who's like really self-expressive, who can be vulnerable with, you know, what they're feeling and they put that through, whether it's, again, paintings, words, anything. And so for me, it's actually really meaningful to be able to write about someone's art because it allows me to write about their heart. And that rhyme was unintended. But like, <laughs> you just can't help my, yourself. <laughs> I just can't help it now. I told you, I can't, I can't turn it off. I can't turn it off. <laughs> All right. So this is a crazy question, but what were your parents like? <laughs> oh, um, they were... 
flew into my head. So I'm going to go for it. Yeah, we just live feed, right? My parents were so incredibly supportive. Yeah, and I feel parts of me get emotional even when I just say that out loud because they just were. They gave me every opportunity I could have asked for. Yeah, there was never something hindering me from, yeah, just trying things. And they were so supportive and they wanted the best for me. And they taught me such incredible values of like commitment and discipline and hard work and work ethic. And then also just having unconditional support because I know they're always in my corner and, you know, I have a beautiful family, two older sisters and yeah, all of my family are always in my corner. And so, yeah, I've grown up just with this knowledge that it doesn't matter what I do. Like I always have people like who are there for me, you know? And so yeah, my parents were wonderfully supportive. I wouldn't say growing up, we were necessarily a creative family. We were probably the more stereotypical East Asian academic family, okay. where it's like put our heads down, do well, get good grades, you know, that sort of stuff. That's held us in good stead. But uh, yeah, never previously identified with being creative up until recently. I'm curious. So when that came forward, I mean, I'm sure they were supportive, but <laughs> from what you described, but were they surprised? It's a funny story because my parents are just my biggest supporters, just hands down my biggest supporters. I remember reading like one of my first poems to mom and she's like, this is the best. She just loves it. Like anything I could, anything I do, she would love. What was really funny was my sister's reaction. And so we've always had like a very, yeah, very like bantery kind of uh, dynamic. And so, yeah, we'll give each other shit and all that that stuff and talk smack to each other. And yeah, so when I was like, oh, guys have, kind of got into like poetry. Like I've been writing some stuff and all of this. I was like, can I read you some? And I remember like they're super supportive as well. And they're like, yeah, of course. Like we'll listen to it. Back <laughs> in my head, I'm expecting them to like just just give me so much shit afterwards. And But yeah, I read it to them. And then their response is like, what the F just happened? Like <laughs> super simple. They were like, no offense, but that was way better than we expected it to be. <laughs> and I was like, thanks, I guess, you know? And I was like, it just, it just came out of me. So, yeah, I think especially even like a lot of my like social circles and things like that, because like they've just known me for kind of building businesses and being very like logical and yeah, in my head in that sense, just thinking life through and everything was like structure. And so even when my friends started to hear my poetry, they're like, oh, we never knew this was a part of you. And I was like, neither did I up until I started writing it. And so in some ways it's been a surprise to everyone, including myself. But yeah, in some ways it also just feels like I'm finally returning home. To what feels most natural. Beautiful. Wow. All right. So I'm going to have one more question because this is my favorite final question. Cool. What should I have asked you that I didn't? Oh, what a great question. Yeah. Why didn't I start writing poetry sooner? There we go. All right. And why didn't you start writing poetry sooner? Yeah. For long parts of my life, many parts of me thought the answer was external. And when I say the answer, like that's an answer to, you know, happiness, peace, fulfillment. And so, yeah, my journey, which I've spoken on, you know, different podcasts about is, you know, yeah, I spent a lot of my life climbing like that first mountain, let's call it, where it was like, yeah, I need to be successful. I need to tick all these boxes, have material success, you know, status and all these things. And, you know, I was really fortunate to be gifted those experiences from a really young age. So I was like, right now what? You know, I think I like, 23, 24, like I had all like the things that I thought I wanted at the time. Mm, you know? Wow. 
And then, yeah, I just really had the now existential like slap in the face from the universe being like, great. And then, you know, I went through my own mental health challenges in like last year. And then it was just really on the back of that, that I just realized that everything that I was looking for outside, which is really when I was living from my head, you know, thinking through things like thinking like strategies and building businesses from that place and all of these different things. I was like, yeah, just be... I'd been encompassed, enveloped in that filter bubble my entire life. Mm-hmm. But from that place, when I'm living from my head and I'm just thinking my whole world through the very definition of that, if I'm thinking my whole world through, then I can't be feeling the world and yeah. feeling myself and feeling my truth. And so, you know, a beautiful distinction you made before is this idea of like art and creativity being about listening, Robin. And I think that's just a really beautiful articulation of that because for most of my life, I've been speaking, let's say. And when you're speaking, you're not listening. And if you're not listening, you're not hearing. And if you're not hearing, you're not feeling. And so for me, the reason why I haven't written poetry earlier is because I've been thinking my whole world through, right? And now, yeah, and again, it's a quote I speak about often, but like the longest journey you'll ever take is the 45 centimeters from your head to your heart. (laughs) That's for sure, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the journey I've yeah powerfully chosen to walk. And so that's why I feel like I'm writing my poetry now in the perfect way. Everything has had to happen to get me to here in the perfect way, because now I feel like I'm living, not only writing, but I'm living from my heart. And it's from that place I wanted to start rhyming (laughs) from that place. I can actually start to like, yeah, express myself from a really authentic place. Beautiful. Well, James, thank you so much for being here today and for sharing with us so generously yourself and your beautiful poems. Thank you so much for having me, Robin. That was so much fun. Thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of The Author's Corner. You're one step closer to writing the world-changing book you've dreamed about for years. To access today's show notes and other helpful resources, simply visit our website at theauthorscorner.com. A positive review would be appreciated. Until next time.